0: up 24 is on a mission to empower advisors to deliver better financial futures for their clients. They're dedicated to customer service excellence and delivering innovative product solutions that create value for advisors and their clients. These are just some of the reasons why advisors rate them number one for overall satisfaction and why their managed portfolio solution has been rated best in market five years running. up 24 believes nothing happens in isolation. So they're working together with advisors, licensees, and industry leaders to leverage their data and technology expertise to help solve key challenges in the delivery of financial advice, so more Australians can access cost-effective advice. Welcome back to the XY Advisor Podcast. I'm Fraser Jack and I'm joined by Cara Williams. G'day, Cara.
1: Hey, Fraser. How are you? <laughs>
0: very good. Thanks for hanging out with me. Now, we're uh, in real life. We're in person. We're hanging out in the same room because because uh, we can do that here in Queensland.
1: Very lucky to be able to see someone live, isn't
0: it? Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. I certainly don't take it for granted. Uh, now, let's start with a bit of very quick overview of you and where are you working at the moment?
1: So, I'm a financial advisor at an amazing business called Sufficient Funds.
0: Yeah, well, fantastic. <laughs> and a, a, a business we probably know fairly well, thanks to, uh, thanks to James and, and, uh, and, and knowing about that business for some time. Uh, give us a quick overview of the business itself. What size is it? How many, how many advisors?
1: Yeah, so we have myself and James as the advisors. We also have Pat, who's down in Melbourne, as, a, as an advisor as well. Um, we have about 10 to 15 employees and we also do mortgage broking as well. So, great team. Um, we all work remotely from home or from wherever that makes us happy and um, really focus in millennials. So, that's our space. That's what we specialize in. We know who we work with. We know what we do. We do well.
0: Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I like, to, I like to hear that, a great target market and a great um, – and, and and we'll get into this, but a great way of finding finding new clients and, and growing the business. Obviously, the business has grown quite a lot in the last few years. Like you said, 10, 10 odd staff, 10 to 15 staff. It's, it's a massive growth from um, you know James sort of starting out by himself. So, um, kudos to James. Um, let's go back in time. Tell us about your story. How did you get into uh, advice?
1: By accident. I actually had no idea what financial advice was. I think a lot of people I speak to, a lot of people fall into financial advice um, one way or another. And um, so, yeah, I I was a very confused school leaver about what I wanted to do. Um, I thought I was going to be a lawyer, didn't get the OP score, which is the Queensland score for that. Um, decided to start a degree in social work and did a year of that and figured out that wasn't for me.
0: Wait, lawyer to social (laughs) work, how does this work? Because clearly, to me, they're the opposite sides of a coin.
1: Yeah, yeah, Uh, I was confused. I had to pick something out of a a catalogue when I was leaving school, pretty much. I had no idea. Um, Thought I'd give that a go and uh, just got maybe six months into that degree and realised that it just wasn't me. Um, and then I decided to take the year off after that because I, I didn't want to be one of those people that continuously changes degrees and then racks up, you know, a hundred thousand dollars of hex debt. And, um, yeah, so I, I thought I'd take the year off and figure out life. And even in that year, I still had no idea.
0: <laughs> so, so that your year of growing up, yeah. if, if, you, if you put it that way, yeah did you yeah. grow up?
1: Uh, I hope so. I <laughs> like to think so. Does anyone ever grow <laughs> no,
0: up? No, <laughs> I don't.
1: got to be a kid at heart, right? Yep. Yep.
0: So tell us about uh, where where to from there, how did you uh, fall into this?
1: Yeah, so I was working at Fitness First, the gym part-time during uni and then I decided I'll just work full-time in that year off and try and figure out life and got to a point where um, I just felt like I wasn't mentally stimulated anymore and I had at that stage, middle of the year, figured out, all right, I'll enrol in a business degree, at least it's kind of broad and I'll figure the rest (laughs) out from there. And got to the point where I had a friend who had been working a couple of days a week as an assistant to a financial planner who had just come out of a bank and started his own thing. And she said, look, I've got a grad job in Melbourne, so I'm going to move. And do you want the gig? You, I know you were looking for something. And at the time I thought, oh, I don't really know what financial planning is. And I think it's budgeting. I'm not sure. How hard can this be? I'll, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll, I'll do it. And um, loved it. And so I fell into it and, and um, progressed from there. And that business I was in, it wasn't until the first year when we did a, an annual review, uh, like a performance review, I guess, at that year mark that they said, look, we can see a lot of talent and is this a career that you'd be interested in? Um, and I, yeah, at that moment, I kind of realized I, I loved what those those guys were doing and I could see it was a career for me and, yeah, accidentally sort of fell into it like that.
0: Fantastic. And then, and then that uh, realization that you're a grown up now. Yeah. Um, so so where to? How did you get your first sort of start?
1: Yeah, well, so it was an interesting, I feel like um, the journey from there, well, the conversation was around, well, what do I need to do to, to become an advisor? And the conversation was around study. Um, At the time, you only needed a a diploma of financial um, planning. So, what I was doing was I was like, all right, well, I'm halfway through this business degree. Uh, I want to finish this. Um, For personal reasons, it was a big goal of mine to finish my degree. So, uh, at that stage, what I was doing was three subjects at uni, two or three days a week um, at work. And then in the uni holidays, I was trying to do one subject of the DFP. Um, and then so from there, I was looking at right progressing into an advice role. And at that stage, at that business, there was a lot of opportunity for me to be able to sit with the advisor, learn what they do, uh, which was, which was he- heaps of growth for me at that stage. Uh, and then an opportunity arose at uh, one of the big four banks. And I was chatting with someone for about eight months and I said, you know, this is the ideal, essentially like the professional year actually. Uh, It didn't exist then, but I said, this is what I want. Uh, If you can make that happen, I'll take the job and they made it happen and I made the move after two and a half years in that first business into the bank and yeah, was there for five years as an associate advisor.
0: Now, the bank's pretty attractive for, you know, somebody who's young and and recently qualified. Mm -hmm. Uh, They offer a fairly good salary and obviously some, you know, Uh, an endless supply of new clients coming in the door. Um, (laughs) You know, obviously, you know, that we like to to dish dish on the banks and say, you know, (laughs) what they've done wrong. But essentially, it's a pretty good um, training ground, I guess.
1: Yeah, definitely. I loved my time at the bank. I think I I got so much out of that. Um, A couple of things, I think, you know, you you comment about there's endless supply of um, clients. I think you get out what you put in. I spent a lot of my time building relationships with the branches that I worked in. And I feel like, I'm proud to say I felt like I was quite successful at that because I think a lot of those people that are speaking to so many, um, you know, bank customers, are uh, they need to understand the value of what you're offering and the, the service you can provide and the, and the goals that you're able to help clients meet. Um, so, I spent a lot of time with those branch staff, getting them to understand what I do and spending that time to be able to get that. Um, outcome from them. So, that was that was really good from building uh relationship side of things, which taught me a lot. And then also, I think from a growth perspective, so every associate advisor was always matched with a senior advisor. So, I always felt supported as such. I mean, I gave my first a piece of advice when I was 21. That's incredibly young.
0: Tell me, talk me through that moment when you're alone with a client.
1: Oh, I was terrified. <laughs> yeah. But the thing was like, I felt ready. I felt like inexperienced, but I felt ready because I had that year- at, um, at the bank leading up to that moment of shadowing a senior advisor, seeing what he did, seeing the conversations, So, it was almost like I was in a position where I was, I was doing the job without doing it myself yet. So, I had a lot of experience and training, which I felt like uh, very you know, grateful for and that's something I always tell young grads now is like, don't rush, just enjoy it, like learn as much as you can from everyone else who's done it for so much longer than you um, and then when you, when you get to that position, you feel ready. So Yeah,
0: it's an interesting time, yeah. isn't it, for people when they first kick, kick that off. And I, I always say to people the same thing, you know, like you, you don't know everything. Yeah. You know a bit. yeah. Don't tell, You don't have to, to tell, them, tell them everything you know. But as long as you know more than they do, then you're helpful. Yeah. It's being helpful,
1: right? And it's such a scary moment when you're sitting down with clients who have children older than you. And you're like, oh, they're getting financial advice from me. And in my mind, I think at the start, I was probably doubting myself a little bit and thinking, you know, are they thinking that I'm too young? And you get the occasional person who you can you can just tell from their, you know, body language that they're like, oh, this person's a bit young. But when you start having that conversation with them, you can tell that they're thinking, yeah, okay, she doesn't know what she's talking about. It's okay. And um, that, I mean, that didn't last too long. I think just with time and experience that becomes a little bit easier and more comfortable.
0: Yeah, it certainly does, always does, uh, like riding a bike, I guess. Yeah. Um, so, five, five years at the bank, that's quite um, – Yeah. Quite, and and like, I want to go into this a little bit deeper, how you were building the relationships with the tellers, because it's mm. important for, I think, for any advisor that, you know, whether it's an accountant or, or any other means of referral source, it's mm. important to get that information. Time, energy, effort um, – like as in what were you saying to these tellers to, to get them to understand the value of advice?
1: Yeah, so I did it a couple of different ways. So as a group of one-on-ones, um, I did a weekly huddle. So we talk about, you know, i bring a, a case study or a client um, example that I just worked through the previous week or um, any of those sorts of examples, um, talk them through what I do, ask them questions, get them engaged so it's not just me standing up in the front of a room lecturing people. Uh, I do little quizzes, little you know competitions like you know, knowledge things like okay what does what does life insurance mean? all those sorts of things so you can tell and um, get them engaged with their understanding and, and figure out you know where do I need to kind of focus my time and energy on building their knowledge as well. Um, I'd also do, Oh, it was a bit of a weekly email, I'd say, where I'd say, all right, this is what we've done for the week. This is how I've helped them. So um, it wasn't so much stats and figures of, you know, this is how many people I helped or we helped as a team. It was this is, you know, I saw Jim and Jerry or whatever. And this is what we did. Yeah. Yeah. So they could see the outcome of what they were doing uh, and the benefits to those clients. So all those good news stories, showing them examples of how we were able to help. Was I think was definitely beneficial.
0: Yeah, this this sounds like it's not just a one off though, right? You can't no. just go and say to somebody, "I helped this person do one thing," and and they're going to go, "Great, I'll just send all my clients." Here. It's it's that um, yeah. regularity of your weekly emails plus your regular catch ups, your pods, those things.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah, so that's a that's an interesting learning. Um, don't <laughs> just don't just do once and you know expect that it's going to work.
1: No. And I could always tell, to be honest, like when I got busy and sometimes, you know, a couple of weeks here and there, perhaps dropped off an email or two and you could tell that you, you could see them not really, it's not the forefront of their mind. And I think as a banking consultant, there's so many things for them to think about. It's a tough gig for them. There's so many different areas of uh, what they do day to day, that if, you know, sometimes if it's not at the forefront of their mind, they've got so many other competing priorities. So, yeah, it's consistency and you got to work hard at it to get what you what you need out of it and to be able to help people.
0: Yeah, exactly. Competing priorities in front of mind. I, I imagine that if uh, I'm a bank teller, there's going to be in the next person in the queue is kind of a priority rather than me stopping and asking a person whether they need to, uh, yeah. need to speak to a financial advisor.
1: Yeah. And I think the big thing as well is I did a lot around like, you know, behavioral finance and psychology around you know, Simon Sinek's a great example. So I did a lot, a lot of work with them on the start with why um, idea around, you know, if you go to someone and go, hey, you can see Cara about your super, your insurance, your retirement planning, this or that. They'll be like, why? I don't understand what, like, why is that important to me? I'm literally here to get a home loan or do this. But if they have those quality conversations with them, they can be like – uh, you know, get a bit more deeper and talk to those people about the why, not just the what. And you're speaking their language, and you're speaking to the emotional part of their, you know, their thought process and decision making.
0: Love it. So you've, um, so I've I've done a bit of that too. I'm watching a bit of Simon's sneak and just ripping that off, uh, <laughs> and, uh and 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 using it to your yeah. advantage. <laughs> Love it. Um. So so the bank journey for you was a five year. What sort yeah. of drew you towards um leaving the bank and then wanting to to get into sort of private practice?
1: Yeah. So I got to the point where I was kind of looking for my new challenge what you figure out when you speak to a lot of other advisors that there's so many businesses out there doing different things and specializing in different areas. And I think the turning point for me, honestly, was when I did the Kokoda Trek with the AFA in 2018. You spend a lot of time in your own thoughts and thinking as you're walking through a jungle and uh, assessing or reassessing, I guess, where you're at in life and what's important to you. And I was lucky enough to be able to track that with a bunch of amazing people who were in the AFA or the financial planning profession who are, you know, years and years more experienced than me. So, you have a lot of deep and meaningful conversations, not just about work, but about life. So, I think for me, at that point, I was thinking, you know, reassessing my priorities and my values and once I left Kokoda I came back home I was like right okay I think now is the time I need to you know step outside my comfort zone try something new have a bit of a challenge and start talking to people and I took from about September till May to figure out my next move I didn't want to rush Um, the main thing I always said to myself is I don't want to run away from something I want to run towards something and I want to make sure that that move is right I don't just want to take a job for the sake of leaving and trying something new.
0: Yeah, fantastic. Um, so, it wasn't that uh, you were motivated to take the next thing. You, you wanted to have a look around. Yeah. Uh, talk to me about that transition out of the bank.
1: Yeah, it was interesting because I think that moment I'd realised that there were so many businesses out there who did do different things, specialise in different areas, um, the way th- everything was structured, but not to the extent um, that when I started to, or talking to businesses and people, I was like, oh, actually, there's a lot more happening out in the, um, the non-bank land than I kind of Uh, expected and so I spoke to I would say about 12 to 16 different businesses just not so much job interviews but you know what do you guys do who do you specialize in working with what do you do well what doesn't work quite well you know what are your regrets what would you do differently all of those questions and uh, gave me a really good insight and understanding of what I didn't want and what I what I perhaps was looking for Um, so getting that clarity so it took some time and then, yeah, I came across a, a business who was introduced to me that was multidisciplinary. So they did, uh, they do accounting, financial advice, mortgage broking, and general insurance. And I thought, this is great because I've never had really experience in the accounting world. So um, being able to work in a business who I've got, you know, those people to be able to learn off and work with, and all of that kind of was a yeah, it was a good opportunity that came up.
0: Yep, it's not easy to choose. Uh <laughs> choose a place to go and no, yeah. and uh sometimes there's definitely uh places you don't want to go or, or yep. there's horror stories a
1: couple of false starts i think just understanding people's you know businesses and then realizing maybe it's not the right fit but yeah so it is hard it is a hard choice but yeah, i think i made that really good decision which i yeah loved so where did you go I went to a I went to a business called Perrier Ryan, um, great great business based in East Brisbane and very successful, well structured. They've been around for twenty odd years and um, really experienced guys. Uh, I loved working there and I learnt so much, especially like I said on that accounting side and um, same sort of qualities I guess taking out of the bank with. Um, working with other people in different roles and different professions and experiences and using those skills to be able to work with other people in the business to go, you know, this is what we do. This is the value we add. This is how we can work together. Also, you know, how can I help you? So what, what do I need to look for in my clients to be able to best support you as well so that you can also help them from a different aspect?
0: Yeah. What was the demographic, the age demographic of of the clients in that business?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, we didn't really have a specialised niche. It was a lot of, you know, a lot of business clients being the accounting firm, um, a lot of business clients, but your mums and your dads, pre-retirees, retirees. So, um, fairly, fairly spread. Um, I also helped a lot of existing clients' children. So, getting into that millennial space, a lot of the clients' kids have, you know, just graduated from uni or starting to buy their first time, and all those sorts of things. So, yeah, did, did really well in a, a range of different client demographics.
0: Yep. Is that what led you to want to help millennials?
1: Yeah, and and the funny thing is when I was talking about this to someone else the other day, if you asked me five years ago, would I be working with millennials, I would have said no. Um, I think the space I was in at the time, just the, the service offering and the, the structure and the processes wasn't the right place for that kind of client. Um, and at the time, I was thinking, you know, how, how would I be able to add value to this client where I am? And I uh, didn't ever think I was going to be – I loved I love the retirees. I love – you know, the, um, the the stories and the, the relationship and that sort of stage of life. And so I didn't even really think about it, but yeah, fell in love with the millennials uh, and, th- and those clients and that stage of life quite quickly.
0: Nice. And, uh, and then tell us about your latest move.
1: Yeah, sufficient funds. So um, I always feel like these jobs just kind of come up a- across and I've always felt very lucky. Um, and it, it was one of those decisions where I, I loved where I was and Um, however, I got to the point where when this came across, um, me, I was like, Oh, this is actually a really cool opportunity that I feel really aligned with where I was, where I was wanting, um, to go. And also the the demographic of the millennials, they, they do it really, really well. Um, I think a lot of people last year as well with COVID realized, um, working from home and that work-life balance was perhaps, um, you know, everyone kind of re, realigned what they wanted out of, you know, that work-life balance situation for me. Uh, I realised quite quickly maybe the eight to five wasn't wasn't me. Um, so that was a very attractive part of moving to sufficient funds as well is the lifestyle, and um, yeah, like having that lifestyle for us, but also making sure that you know we are um, showing that to our clients as well, saying you know we are leading by example. We want to make this as human as possible. We don't, you know, we're not suit and ties. We're laptops and T-shirts essentially. So.
0: Yeah. yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Uh, yeah, and, and you resonate with, the, like you said, the what you're doing is what your, mm. your clients want to do. Um, yeah. And that authenticity comes across yeah. uh, as opposed to working in a more of a traditional firm where you go into the <laughs> office and you and you suit up.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's it.
0: So tell us about the, that move then, because part of that was obviously being able to be location independent.
1: Mm. It's an interesting one. It's interesting being in a team now where I've only met James. <laughs> I've never met anyone face-to-face. Um, so, we have team members all over Australia and uh, an amazing team in the Philippines as well. And yeah, it's strange that you've, I've actually never met people face-to-face, but we speak every day. We see each other on Zoom every day. Um, so, you know, that transitions. It's an interesting one. I, I did meet James face-to-face before and we had some, you know, multiple conversations before. I made that move. I met some of the team over Zoom, just have a, just a casual chat with them, make sure, you know, we were vibing right and all of that sort of things. I think yeah, the team is a very, very important part to making um, a successful business. And I felt like straight away I fit right in, which was good. So, that transition was, I felt was a really easy one for me personally.
0: Yeah. So, tell us about the business itself. You're helping millennials. What are you helping them with?
1: anything they want, <laughs>
0: anything <and everything. laughs>
1: creating the life that they want to live. So, um, we're very much lifestyle focused. Um, really the name and the business, making sure that they have the sufficient funds to do what they want to make them happy. So, um, we've got a very clear process of what we, what we do, how we define that. So, one of the biggest parts of the first process is defining what's important to them. Um, I don't it, it doesn't matter if that means it's a, you know a, a six month long holiday or buying a house or you know whatever they want with their work lifestyle personal goals. Um, there's no right and wrong, and we just help them clarify that. So defining what's important to them is the, is the biggest part of that. So yeah, the goals are endless. I've had. <laughs> uh, one the other day, actually, he said he wants four kids because David Beckham wants four kids. So you, you get you get all. I love that. It was um, I was that made me laugh. So you get all these different goals that they feel like they can open, and and you know, even if they think it sounds silly or whatever, um, doesn't matter. It's their goal. It's what's important to them. So that's what's important to me at the end of the day.
0: Very much goals and lifestyle based. Yeah. On, I lo- I love the name yeah. too. Sufficient funds, and I I, I believe that that the word surf in sufficient was uh, <laughs> was an important factor for James. Yeah. Uh, so, you've got um, location-dependent, you you help with people all over the country? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So, clients yeah. are everywhere? Yeah. And I have had a few people that, um, you know, might listen to a podcast and, and reach out to us and they might be in Europe and say, oh, I'm coming back in six months, permanently back to Australia. Um, I want to kind of get my ducks in a row and, and make sure I'm all set up because I realise I've been overseas for a few years, so all over Australia, but the odd person that's um, that's travelling abroad at the moment.
0: Yeah, now you mentioned a really good point here that um, the way that, that your business gets clients in a lot is through media channels. Uh, and you mentioned podcast just then, so tell us about um, tell us about how that works for the business. Because obviously, you know, you, you guys are out there um, talking on different podcasts on different um, uh, media channels to be able to then generate uh, a number of interest or leads and in, in, in coming to your website.
1: Yeah. So just taking that back a step, and I know I had a chat to you actually before I um, decided to, to take this role, and one of the things we spoke about was how do you create um, that comfortability and that rapport with clients. When you're you're literally over a camera and a screen, I think having that presence on you know podcasts and um, you know Zoom sessions and recordings and getting yourself out there in terms of media and social media and networking like that um, creates that sort of well, breaks the barrier of people feeling like they know you, uh, or feeling like they know the business and what you're all about. So that creates, I guess, like a just a, a natural interest in. Oh, okay, I'm going to reach out to that person and get some advice because they sound like they're going to get me and they're. You know, they're just humans at the end of the day. I'm not going to sit there and show them a graph and make it all boring and things like that.
0: Yeah, I think it's, it's a very natural It's really important that, that authenticity comes across, isn't it? That mm. I'm a human being and this is how I behave and act yeah. and, and, and those yeah. things come across and then people will resonate towards you.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, trying to trying to do that, give examples, get on podcasts, get on videos, get get on lives and, um, yeah, get, a, get our name out there as such, creates that sort of interest in um, people reaching out.
0: So I know James spends a bit of time on on you know different podcasts and things like My Millennial Money or She's mm-hmm. on the Money.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I mean, they're exactly the kind of clients we're looking for and that's who we know we work well with and who we can definitely help and add value to. Um, So, uh, you know, James even did a live with My Millennial Money showing them or showing the listeners what that first defining sufficient session looks like. So, the amount of um, people I talk to and they're like, hey, I saw James on that podcast, the live with that young couple and that's exactly what we want. So, you know, can you help us? And we talk through that process and exactly what that looks like. So, they already know and they know what to expect from that first session that we have together.
0: Yeah, that's a really important part, isn't it, that um, breaking down the barrier of the expectations of their understanding. It's very difficult to walk into a financial planning office for the first time as a millennial if you've never done it before and you don't know what to expect.
1: Mm, exactly. And so, we, we actually have a, a first sort of 15-minute call with them first. And it's all about, I say I always say to people like, this is about making sure that I understand your situation. I talk through the process, make sure that's the right fit. Um, I'm massive on, I mean, I don't, I don't mind who people go and see for their advisor. I think the most important part for me is that a client finds someone that they gel well with, that they trust, that they feel like they can open up, because it can be such an intimate relationship where you're finding out stuff about people that They don't even tell their closest friends or family. Like I had a client yesterday, um, who's having a you know cesarean next Monday, and they told me the name, and they're like, "Oh, we don't know. Like we haven't told anyone else. Should we tell you?" And all that sort of thing. So clients open up, and I think yeah, you you've got to have that trust and rapport. So making sure the right fit is there first, before they decide to engage in that process.
0: Yeah, exactly. Now take take us through this process. So fifteen minutes, they might reach out to you on the website, um, Mm. which again is an important part of the the media strategy. Mm -hmm. They have a book a fifteen minute call. What what happens after that?
1: Yeah, so talk them through the process, make sure that you know we can add value. Um, we have our define moment, so our defining sufficient session is the first step. So um, we do focus on holistic advice and what I always say is, um, you know, some people might have had a financial plan in the past, right? So they kind of, sometimes I've heard people get to the point where they go, look, this plan's kind of ticking along, but we kind of forget why we're doing it. Um, We don't really know, like we can see the numbers and the figures, but it's just not exciting. It's not motivating. There's no, you know, going back to that goals-based advice sort of conversation. It doesn't really resonate with us. So that defining sufficient session is really, really important because we go through what's important to you. What are you working towards? What What are your values? What are your goals? And me acting as a bit of a sounding board to people who aren't sure about their options or thinking, oh, you know, it'd be really cool to do this or this. And we just talk about it. Get as much down on paper as possible. um, Create a bit of a timeline, like a map of everything that's important to people so that they can see that and it really defines what sufficient means to them. Um, and even, you know, if they've got goals around things that aren't even financial, that's, you know, if that's important to them, let's, let's write it down, let's talk about it. So, at the end of that session, we can be really clear on going, well, this is what's important to you. We're not getting stuck into strategy mode or solution mode, really getting those golden pieces of information down so that when we, you know, do go to, to put a financial plan together, it's entirely tailored towards what they're wanting to achieve.
0: Yeah, exactly. I love defining sufficient because it, it means so many things—not just the money, but the the happiness factor mm. as well. What you know, yeah. what would you be happy with? What's yeah. sufficient for you? To, how long does that session go for?
1: It's a ninety-minute session. Yep.
0: Yeah. So fifteen-minute pre-call, ninety-minute mm. session. Yeah. Uh, at that point, uh, they um, they're aware of obviously the process and the fees and those sorts of things. When yeah. do they sign on?
1: So after that, I mean, that we see the defining sufficient session as a completely separate service. That's something that adds a lot of value to people regardless of if they're getting financial advice or not. Gives them that clarity, gives them that lifestyle map. They can see everything down on paper. Um, After that session, that's when they decide if they'd like to proceed with a financial plan. Um, And then we, we walk through the process from there. So, after that appointment is when we start to gather all the you know, fact find details or the, the assets, liabilities, all those sorts of things and then start to gather that from there and start the process.
0: Yeah. Now, we, when you talk about gathering, how are you doing that in an efficient way? efficient way and effective way?
1: Yeah. So, um, I mean, a lot of people talk about their tech stack. I think being um, efficient in processes and knowing, you know, who's doing what, what are we gathering? Um, we're using Basecamp is our um, sort of, uh, I guess, task thread management. Um, it's it's fairly flexible in terms of editing. I know a lot of people use X-Plan and I, I find myself like X-Plan's like it's great but it's a big it's a big beast and it's hard to navigate I think for some people Um, we use Basecamp which has a client side as well so fairly simple for them to go yep here's my third party authority here's this and they can just upload it to the into into their client side and we can see that they can message us they can comment on things so it's fairly client friendly um, with that process of gathering data
0: yeah, fantastic. So Basecamp is a, a, a standard CRM mm. uh, that you can purchase out of the box, pretty much, and it's and and uh, it's fairly fairly economical. Um- so you've been through that you've you've got them on you then say here is your um, your sufficient um session here yeah. is the goals needs here's, yeah. your, here's your here's what you want to achieve the, yeah. your reason why and then um, and then you can start the planning process um what's what's the meeting process after that
1: Yeah so once we've gathered all that a few weeks past once we've got the information on their super and all of that sort of thing and start to gather all of that um, we have a progress meeting, so that's usually about an hour. And what we do is we sit back down or over Zoom virtually <laughs> um, and then go through their goals, go, all right, well, let's, if, is there anything we need to get more clear on? So, you know, you said you wanted to buy a new car. Is thats is that three years away or is that five years away? How much do you want to spend? So really getting clear of what's in the plan, what's out of the plan, um, piecing things together, going over their risk profile. So getting more of those specific sort of nitty-gritty details. Um, making sure they're, you know, they're happy with everything. Is there anything that's changed since we last spoke? um, Confirming sort of the direction from there.
0: Yeah, nice. So, that real prioritisation session, a little bit of education, uh, gathering everything you need and then the SOA. So, we've gone for a 15-minute, 90-minute, an hour. Yes. Wow, it's it's a decent process. Yeah. And then there's the, I guess, the planned presentation.
1: Yeah. So, um, a few weeks after that, uh, well, through that time, that's when we're, doing the numbers, doing the scenarios, the projections, the financial modelling, crunching all those numbers and putting the plan together, coming back and presenting their their plan to them, which is um, two-hour money plan presentation meeting, going through everything, um, looking at all the projections, all the moving pieces, what's going on, what's coming in, what's going out, and they can see it and they can feel it. So, that's the delivery piece of where we go, you know, you said you want to Know a kid or a car or travel or this or that, and they can see year on year what's coming in, what's going out, and they can they can feel it, and they can that's that's the time that they can see everything. Oh, like oh, that's that is possible. That's so exciting.
0: Yeah, fantastic. So two hour planned presentation,
1: mm, yeah.
0: uh, and so in that there's obviously because it's holistic, there's a fair few amount of strategies, yeah. bits and pieces to get through. How, yep. how do people go with two hour of two hours of power.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it is a bit of a chunky meeting. Um, After that progress meeting, I do say to them, look, we're going to book in that financial plan meeting. It is two hours. It is a bit chunky. So, um, we do set aside two hours. We might not need it all, but it's there if we need it. I usually just, you you can kind of gauge when people are feeling a little bit glazed over. Um,
0: Have a cup of tea break halfway through or something. Most
1: people are (laughs) fine. Um, But I think when they get really stuck into it, yeah, they're just, you can tell they're really attentive and they're interested. And, um, you know, I always say about the armor, do you guys need to get a drink or? Or have a little bit of a break. Um, most people are like, no, that's no, fine. Someone might run up and get a glass of water or something, but yeah, everyone's, everyone's great with it. Everyone loves it. And I think at that point, they're really excited because they're like, this is the moment where we see it all coming together and we can see what's possible. We can see our goals on every single year, what's actually being achieved, what can be achieved.
0: Pretty exciting moment for you too as well.
1: Mm. Yeah. I get so excited. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. Most, you know, I I was meeting with a a young couple who had their first child the other day and I even started the appointment saying, I'm so excited about this plan, guys. And they were laughing because I'm like, I'm so sorry. It sounded like a massive nerd moment, but I was just, I was stoked because- Yeah. Uh, A lot of their questions that they had of like, we don't know if we can do this or that, um, were answered. And I'm like, this is totally possible. And they were over the moon. And I think that's the coolest moment where the clients feel like a massive, like, sigh of relief because they can see it and they can feel it. And they're like, okay, this is awesome. We're on the right track.
0: Yep. And then obviously you get into the implementation after that. Uh, Mm -hmm. Tell me about it. Are there any other follow-up meetings after that to sort of go through stuff?
1: Uh, so, yeah, I mean, if we need to touch base and, uh, and as part of the implementation process or confirm details, I mean, there are a few weeks between the progress and, and the meeting. So, if there are a couple of things that have changed, we can just, you know, touch base and see what that does if we need to make any alterations to the advice. Um, it's at that point, it's a separate decision, a decision point. If they do decide or if I see value or they see value in an ongoing advice relationship, that's when we make the decision. Uh, of proceeding from there.
0: Yeah, fantastic. So the first, it's really about spending that first, you know, few months or whatever, getting it in place, mm. set up, and sorted. It's a five or six hour process. Mm. Um, what sort of fees are you charging? What's the average sort of client fee size then?
1: Yeah, so we're very structured in this. Um, so the the fifteen minute call is complimentary to have a chat, make sure it's the right fit. Uh, the defining sufficient session is four hundred and forty, and that covers the cost of the time for that session. From there, it depends on, or is it a single person? Is it a couple? Because couples, you know, there is a bit more work involved with that. Um, and it, de- it depends if they have something like a spending plan in there because there's a lot of heavy lifting with a spending plan. Um, it's a really important part of a foundation of a financial plan. So, some clients have that sorted and they're really, they're really well um, set up in that sort of department. So, I mean, for a single person, it's either 3,300 or 4,400. For a couple, 4,400, 5,500. Again, you know, there could be the situation where maybe there's a little bit more complexity there, and we we would discuss that before they wish to proceed. um, If that was the case,
0: yeah, fantastic. And uh, tell me about the ongoing side of it, because um, you know, having uh, having an advisor on your side um, is obviously beneficial. How do you how do you talk to your clients about having an ongoing relationship, fee paying relationship, Um, and if if so, what sort of do most clients take that on?
1: Um, so, I mean, I've been at sufficient funds for five months now, so, um, still early days and still sort of building up myself there. Um, and you know, my, my client base, but I think there's a lot of value you can add to a millennial and that stage of life, there's a lot of moving pieces, whether that be kids or no kids or house or work and all these different moving parts. So I think there's definitely value in ongoing advice for a lot of clients. It's not for everyone, um. I sometimes say to people, look, this is – once we've set it up, it's like planting a seed and waiting for it to grow. If there's not a whole load of moving parts, then it's probably best for you to come back when things change or once we're set up, just keep going as is. Um, but it is very common for a lot of people to to look at that plan and go, we can see those projections year on year, and see that there are so many things that are changing in our life that we're wanting to aim towards, and that's where they're going to get the value that we we're a sounding board. They can pick up the phone if they want to or have questions, and you know, as things change throughout the year, we can alter the advice. And there's a lot of value that they get, um, especially on the spending plan side of things, if there are. Unsure about their, you know, their expenses, and they go. We need someone to kind of hold our hand or to hold us accountable for the next 6-12 months, or however long it takes to get our that foundation right. Then that's what we're there. We're there for to be able to help them through that, and then be able to, you know, guide them as things change and as they're meeting goals and what's the next biggest thing. And that's what I had a client actually ask me yesterday when we were talking about ongoing advice. They said, you know, we, we have these massive goals for the next three to five years. Is that the point where we can go all right, We've achieved them. What's next? Uh, and that's where the benefit of yeah, an ongoing advice is to have that person there to help you.
0: Exactly. And if they're if they're not going to um, stay focused on their goals, then that's the, that accountability buddy is really important.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's just like a personal trainer, right? Like, I mean, the amount of times that I've had a gym membership and, yeah, I'll go and, you know, I, no one's watching so I might skip a <laughs> skip a squat here and there. But, you know, if you've got a PT, like, you're not missing that squat. You're yeah. getting down. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Apparently, uh, that, that doesn't work unless you're actually doing the sets and reps. So uh, Exactly. Oh, so, I've heard. Um, so, <laughs> that, that's amazing. Thank you for sharing that process. Yeah. Um, Tell me about all the work that you've been doing with the associations, because I mean, we we skipped over it at the time. But you mm-hmm. were at the bank; you're a bank teller. Uh, you were you were participating in a lot of the association. Um, you know, as you mentioned, the mm-hmm. Kokoda uh, with the, with the different associations, um, and you spend a lot of time then actually going outside your comfort zone, meeting new people and becoming and and volunteering and Mm. working with associations and a lot of volunteer roles to give back to the community.
1: Mm. Yeah, I guess from a very early age I got – Comfortable with being uncomfortable, and my first conference was an FPA conference down in Adelaide, and that was in 2014. I was four weeks into being an associate advisor at the bank, no idea what I was talking about. Uh, I didn't know anyone that was going. I saw how it actually came up was that I was a student member of the FPA, and I saw this email come through, and I'd never been to a conference before. It always sounded cool. I was like, "What's this about?" I think the ticket was about 200 bucks for the conference. So you know, in in comparison to a full-blown ticket, um, which are usually, you know, anywhere from 500 to a grand or however, whatever conference you're going to. I was like, oh, this is this is good. Um, all I need to do is pay for flights and accommodation and saved up for that. And I was like, I'm just going to do it. Um, I am terrified because I don't know anyone. I don't know. You know, people might look at me and be like, oh, who's this kid? What's this kid doing at a conference? Um, but from that point, I realised that it's so important to get yourself out there and network and talk to people. Um, So, kind of, yeah, just kept getting involved to that day um, with both the FPA and the AFA. And so, I've always – and going back to that point around talking to so many businesses in the transition out of the bank, I think I was always grateful the fact that I spent a lot of my own time building those networks and being able to touch base with people I've met and ask questions without feeling like, oh, um, you don't know me but can I ask you everything about your business? So, having those connections already set up and – I mean, I spent a lot of my own money like going down and doing conferences and networking events and all those things. And that's tough as a student and not everyone can do that. Um, but I think for me, like, I don't regret that at all. And I'm glad I did all the networking from a very young age.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it? You can separate that uh, between what you're doing for work as a work expense or a work, you know, this yep. is a work conference yep. to the fact that you're getting per- your own personal development out of these.
1: Definitely. And I've had so many, pe- like so many existing advisors who have been in the profession for years always pick up the phone and I ask them questions and any sort of big decisions. I'm like, I just need someone to talk to this about. I don't like, I don't know. What do I need to ask? What do I need to think about? And having that sort of experience, getting involved outside of work into those um, associations, I think is important for anyone at any point in their career.
0: Yeah, amazing. I think uh, with any community, um, whether it's associations or or like an XY type community or even a volunteer community of a surf club or whatever it might be, that you get more out of it. Yeah, if you're putting more in, so t- tell yeah. me about your commitment to then joining committees and being parts of um, yeah. parts of the actual, um, you know, the working groups.
1: Yeah, so with AFA more so, um, I am currently part of the Gen Next, which is the next generation of advisor committee. And also the INSPIRE committee, which is um, for supporting financial, uh, women in financial advice or people who are aspiring to be in financial advice, no matter the role, uh, and also supporting women in the, in the broader community as well. So I recently um, stood down from the chair of INSPIRE, which was um, an amazing experience and still on the committee. So being involved with those sorts of groups, I think. Being a part of a team, um, everyone's sort of, you know, always bouncing ideas off each other and um, we're always doing different events and coming up with ideas and doing webinars and all those sorts of things. Getting involved and having your people around you, I think, is really important. So, getting involved in that sort of aspect.
0: Yep. And how have you, how have you found the, your own mentorship around, you know, great people and roles, both nat- nationally and around the country, getting to know those people um, that are running committees in other, in other states?
1: Yeah, interesting. And everyone's got their own perspective on you know how, how they do things, what their experience is, and um, whether like you know you've got a problem or just need to get advice. I think listening to it, it's sort of like an ethical dilemma, right? Um, you go and you go, what what's your thoughts on this? Like, what's your personal experience on this, and how have you dealt with this? And all of those sorts of questions, knowing people in different positions all around the country um, and their personal experiences, I think for me, is, yeah, it's really helped.
0: Yep. Definitely. What uh, What are some of the highlights of that being for you with, on being on some of those committees and meeting people?
1: Oh, definitely just the relationship side of things. Like I'm, I'm a people's person. I think a lot of, or most advisors you'd say are people people because they are working with people all the time. Um, so just the personal friendships and the, the growth in myself as a professional as well um, has definitely been the highlight.
0: Yeah, fantastic. Uh, and so whether you've you mentioned you've been at five months now, Mm-hmm. At, uh, at your new position. <laughs> what does the future hold?
1: Oh, I, I hope years and years and years at Sufficient Funds. Um, I'm loving it. I've never, I've never been happier. Um, I said to my partner the other day, I was like, I've never worked harder, but I've also never had as much work-life balance, which is a weird thing to say. Um, so I think it fits in with my life. I can see there's so much growth still in the business. There's so many clients that we can help Um, so yeah I I see it growing I see myself being a part of that business for a very very long time.
0: Fantastic Cara thanks for coming and sharing your your journey your story Uh, how can people get hold of you if they wanted to uh, continue the conversation
1: definitely so I'm on LinkedIn and we've got our Instagram Facebook page you can reach out sufficient funds and um, we've also got LinkedIn page as well.
0: Wonderful thank you for sharing
1: thank you so much for having me